0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the Phillips Life Group podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. These are lessons from a young couple's Sunday morning life group at Bellevue Baptist Church. My name is Chris Phillips, your host and teacher for our life group. And our young couple's life group consists of engaged, newlywed, or new parent couples in their 20s and early 30s. We'd love to have you join us on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. if you can. But if you can't, thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisUT or check us out on Facebook at Phillips Life Group. Thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the lesson. Uh, in light of events this week, so we have uh, Alton Sterling. Anybody know from I'm talking about? Um, Psalm 57, if you just heard, was about David in a cave. And so unless you were in a cave this week, there was a lot that went down in, in world news, right? A lot. Hey, Mathenies, how are y'all? Uh, and so there's a lot that went down in world news. Uh, Alton Sterling started it off Tuesday, right? Uh, was kind of brutally murdered by two police officers in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, and then you had Philando Castile uh, in Minnesota was also brutally murdered in uh, a car with his wife, in, or not wife, girlfriend, whatever it was. Girlfriend, significant other, fiance—I don't know—but uh, another person and child. I'll tell you what, I, and and I just want to—I want everybody to know this. I don't make any assumption on anything until I know facts, right? So I could. This is just a good general rule of thumb. Don't make a statement until you know what actually happened. Okay, one way or the other, either side. If you're in this ditch, if you're in that ditch, don't make a statement until you know what happened. And so I will say this though. If I was in my car and somebody shot a gun with my three-year-old in there, I would go ballistic, right? Because one the daughter, three or something four like that, close plus ten. four, good gravy. Uh, anyways, so, yeah, right. So, anyways, that in and of itself is reason for me to go nuts. Um, so, uh, and then Thursday night, we get home from Beakers, way past my bedtime. I'm going to bed. I turn on the news. Guess what I see? Dallas, Five cops murdered. Right and um, and so looking at that and going through that, it has been a horrific week in the United States and one that uh, really makes me lean in and press upon the Lord even more because I know that we need an outcry for His protection and I know that we need to have faith more so than ever than we ever have. Okay, and uh, and so while running from worldly adversaries in our life, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, These are worldly adversaries. We need to run to who? To God. We need to outcry for God. We need to outcry for him. Uh, And so I just, I want to write a couple things, and now uh, I'll say this and light it up in the class before. Just go through the process with this, okay, because we kind of jumped to the conclusion further. When I write this, what does this make you think? And again, we had somebody in the class before. They were like, "Well, if I'm being honest," and I was like, "Well, I'd hate for you to lie." <laughs> so know that I don't want you to lie, and you—we um, don't push that. Uh, but what, what does it just make you think what, as we're going through? We see because this, this is national news, right? We need to talk about this. We need to know how to engage with this. We need to know how it goes on. What, what make, does that make you think? Okay, it can—it can insinuate that, right? If we—if we put that, absolutely. Let's say selfish. Selfish, it can be, right? I'm sorry. Rebellion can be, absolutely. I think it's sad that it shows the state of the world that we live in that that is even a hashtag. Division. Division? Yeah, it definitely shows division. Yeah, self-segregation. Yeah. I I always think, I thought we settled this half a century ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we haven't. So, uh, and and hear me out on all of this because I agree with all of those. Um, But this... atrocious ability of what uh, Jenny alluded to, the fact that we have to make this statement comes because racism still exists today in many parts of the country, right? Whether we agree, disagree, or whatever else with this statement, racism exists in the United States. I'm going to go ahead and go a step further with you. Racism exists in this church. It exists in the church next door. It exists in every other church. And so I'll just, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, if we step back from a thirty-thousand-foot view and say, "Okay, what is the end of all of this?" Um, whereas I wholeheartedly agree that uh, some things like this incite uh, passion and incite different things. Right, the guy Thursday he says, "You know, um, you know, I did this. I wanted to kill white people." Right. Um, if I'm being honest, now I, again, I do statistics and I like to know the facts and all those sorts of things before but I'd be lying if I said I didn't know cops that were racist right can we just agree that so now I don't want to jump to conclusions about Minnesota or Baton Rouge but I'd be lying through my teeth if I told you I didn't know cops that were racist right so it's kind of hard for me not to go there may have been some some lenses that they were wearing in both of those situations maybe not but it's it's hard now I don't want to jump to that conclusion because that in and of itself, if I jump to that conclusion and say they only did it because they were racist, it in fact makes me racist anyways, right? So I I can't be on either one of those, right? And this this is the world that we live in as believers. We can't be in this ditch and we can't be in this ditch. We need to beware right in the middle here, focusing our eyes on the word of God, right, and, and so we would be lying, we would uh, not even, I mean, we would be in a cave if we said that we don't think racism still exists in America, in our country, in our city, in our church, in our community, or whatever else, right, I'll give you an example, um, I'm playing, uh, I'm playing, y'all know I grew up in Raleigh, um, you know, I've I, listen to some rap music when I grew up. Uh, I'll never forget, my mom was the most mad at me because she got to, they, like if you ask my mom, if my sister was here, she'd tell you, my mom got into our car and, and I was playing Snoop Dogg and it was cussing back and forth and my mom was so mad but that's the music I listen to and, uh, and so we have all that and so um, it, we, we listen to that, we go through, we have all that happen and so I, I like rap music well we're playing in the gym we're in the gym playing uh, the next-gen pastors, me, Derek, and Tanner. And so this is fast-forward now. Uh, and so we're playing in the gym, playing me, Derek, and Tanner against Jason, Jay, and Matt Mason. And so we're playing against them. And I've got, we, we want some pump music because we're doing this little challenge that we do. Next-gen guys versus rec guys, we do it a couple times a year. Uh, we'll do it early in the morning or whatever. We'll play golf, we'll play volleyball, we'll play basketball or something like that. And so we have this little kind of competition. So we're playing, we want some pump music, you know, so we I turn on the cray and I got my volunteer at the front desk. He turned it off, and this guy's like sixty, maybe somewhere in there, late fifties, sixty, somewhere in there. So he turns it off, and I, I say, "Hey guys, hold on a minute." And I go into there, and I was like, "Hey man, did, uh, what happened to the music?" Oh, I, I turned it off. I was like, "Oh, I was like, we, we just want to, I'll turn it down just a little bit while I turn down." I just walk in, I didn't think of that. About another two, or three minutes go by, he turned it off again. I walked in, and I was like, um, "Do we have a problem?" You know, he was like, "Well, I don't want that. I heard cussing in it." <laughs> <laughs> you did well, and. Just encourage me here, you know, that you did. And he said, um, well, yeah, yeah, I, I heard custom." No, you didn't. Matter of fact, there's probably more gospel in this than most of the junk you listen to on k You know, and so I was like, uh, either play it or you can leave if you don't want to listen to it. And it uh, <laughs> didn't end real well. But, um, but you know, I was just I was mad. But you know why he thought that? Because was rap music. You know why he thought that about rap music? Was because he had association and racial tendencies in his life because of that, because of the way he associated with it, right? And so we would we would be very remiss if we didn't think that it's not even within people in our church that serve, right? And so this never even happens if if that racial tension didn't come, right? Now, is there blood on our hands for Thursday night? Absolutely, because I think that it invites just uh, passion and zeal in that area, and it doesn't do well when Obama and those people start talking about it, and it just, it lets some crazy dude do what he did on Thursday night. Right? which is kill innocent cops that were protecting the people that he was mad that they got mur- Just It doesn't even make sense. The people that he murdered were there protecting the ones so they could do what they were doing because they were protesting against the people that they murdered as colleagues. Right? So that's, that's all there. And, uh, and so, by the way, this will go through. Don't, don't worry about them. I'll call them. Um, and so uh, you've you got to hear it out. Again, I mean, if you can't hear uh, both sides of it, then and, and we have different colored glasses. Okay. So uh what is this incite <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> what if what if I what if I hashtag that today? Left church. Great sermon, wildlife lives matter? No. the no. on the other side of the fence. I mean, I'm so pretty sure you'd be sitting about Steve's office over there. Yeah. I didn't see unfortunately that's that's racist. Yeah. It's, it's okay to say black lives matter, but you say white lives matter, you're racist. Yeah, you have to stay away from it. Part of that is because a little thing called the KKK, and and we really showed <laughs> we showed ourselves there, right? We essentially did that for years upon years, which is why we have to be careful with all of those sorts of things. Is because we we kind of stuck our own foot in our mouth, you know? Caucasians did. Um, I know, I know, I'm at risk of making. It's all lives matter, and they replace all. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, hashtag all lives matter is into the people of the Black Lives Matter movement, or even the people that at least somewhat associate with that. They see all lives matter, you're basically denouncing yeah. their anger. Yeah. Absolutely. I see it kind of as like retaliation. Yeah. This is like started yeah. Like the it's like, oh yeah, you matter. say that. Well, I'm gonna all say this, right. right? I got you. Black Laps Matter? Yes. Absolutely. Do white labs matter? Yes. Okay. What if I do this? What do you think? What does that bring out? What does that invoke? trying to point out what's wrong with the other statement yeah I mean I truly believe the cops are a lot of matter I have a lot of friends that are in um, first responder type positions of power and I've had arguments with them based upon like you talked about there are some of them that have racial tendencies and we'll have conversations plenty of times where even they'll bash the city yeah the the lady the lady cop out of I forget where she was out of that said man you took a note to serve your community It's all these cops that you know that hate Memphis. Mm -hmm. She's basically looking at them and saying, hey, here's the deal. You took an oath to serve your community that you hate. Get out of it. You don't like it? Get out of it. That's the oath you took to serve the city that you knew had everything in it. All the history, all the background, all the everything else. You took an oath to say, I'm going to do this. But we never do stuff like that, right? The job that we have that we commit to. I hate it. These people are miserable, blah, 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 blah. Well, Mm -hmm. golly, you're working there. Do something about it. It was the pastor that came here uh, during men's conference that, uh, James, spoke Merritt. Out in the James Merritt yeah, yeah, the James confederate Merritt on the confederate flag I used to do civil so very heavily in civil war yeah. um, I have a tattoo that has a rebel flag on it because I was happy that was very... but I will tell you that tattoo afterwards I've had more shame of it yeah. because of the fact that not because I don't believe in history and heritage those that know me know I love yeah. history and heritage <laughs> but <laughs> it's yeah, But knowing how that symbol, even though I have a different opinion of it, knowing how others may see it that don't know me and automatically prejudge me, yeah. or have a, the way it makes them feel, yeah. like James Merritt said, it's, I don't have that right. Yeah. If I'm a child of God, I don't have that right. So Nina, I remind you that there are 800,000 cops in the United States that are providing protection for about 300 million people? No math major, but that's not a good ratio, right? Mm -hmm. It's just not. It's to 300. So So 800,000 police officers providing protection for 300 million plus people, right? Do their lives matter? Absolutely. Um, They are white, they're black, they're Hispanic, they're Asian. All of their lives matter. These men that were in Dallas were protecting the lives of those that were protesting against their colleagues. They came the next day to do their job, which is protect those people that were mad at people like them, right? And yet they did it. Many police officers wake up not knowing whether or not they'll come back home. White cops were murdered in Dallas by someone that wanted to make a statement because African Americans in Minnesota, Louisiana, Missouri, or anywhere else were murdered by white colleagues, yet these guys woke up and said, I'm going to protect them and do that even though it's there. Now, we can't hold one person and make a blanket statement about all the others, right? We can't say that everybody is like Micah Johnson just as much as we can't say every cop is like the white cops that may have had some shady judgment in times that were very, 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 very more high pressure than you and I have maybe ever been in. Um, and people make mistakes, okay? And so last but not least... a little bit earlier. I think it's a truthful statement, but I don't, I think kind of like what Wayne was saying, I don't know that that's why people post it. I feel like I think a lot of times, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm not making a blanket statement, but I just think that when people are going to use that, you probably need to really be evaluating why you're doing it, because are you doing it because you really truly believe all lives matter? Are you doing it <laughs> as like a retaliation or to try to make a statement, um, stoke the fire? Let me tell you why I would post this. wholeheartedly believe in Genesis 127 that says, all men and women were created, what? In the image of God. Black lives were created in the image of God. Hispanic lives were created in the image of God, right? Indian lives were created in the image of God. Asian lives were created in the image of God. Every single one of our lives were created in the image of God. No matter how much passion and fire burn deep within us for, for whatever it is, all lives matter because all lives were made in the image of God. All lives have a soul, and all lives will either face heaven or hell, regardless of what else happens in between, right? Now, uh, do this. So what we want to do is we want to make this into a race thing, you know, and so, hey, absolutely. Think of the person that drives you nuts more so than anybody else. You don't want to spend time with them. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to follow them on Facebook. You unfollow them, or maybe you just hide them because you don't want them to know that you don't follow them. (laughs) That's another day, right? It's just, well, I don't like them at all, and I don't want to see anything, but I don't want them to know that I don't like them. Well, when it's family, you kind (laughs) of... So, so, think of that person. Does everybody got that person in their mind? I may be that for some of y'all. It's all right. (laughs) They, just think of that person. Genesis 127 is true for them too. You know, I struggle with that all the time. I tell myself that. They're, that co that you don't even want to talk to because they drive you absolutely insane. They're living far away from the Lord. They're not doing things right. You just, I mean, like, you know, you just get mad and it's an unrighteous anger. You know what? They were made in the image of God. They were made in the image of God. And here's the deal. If not by God's grace and God's mercy, one of us could be one of those cops in Minnesota or Louisiana or Micah Johnson in Dallas. Easily. Only by God's grace and mercy are we not one of those people. And so here's the deal. I've got to look at myself and go, okay, is that guy, if he made it through, if, he, if Micah Johnson uh, negotiations, they were great, guys in prison today, do I wish hell upon him? Because, see, I I think sometimes we do, right? Osama Bin Laden, President Obama, all these sorts of people. Sometimes I think we wish hell upon these people. And and just think of the nasty, wretched heart that gives us if we wish hell upon somebody that is not too far from the outstretched hands of Christ. That person is no further. Micah Johnson's here today. Uh, Any of those cops, anybody else, President Obama, Osama bin Laden, that person is no further from the outstretched hands of Christ than you are for whatever it is with the sin in your life. Not even an iota further, a small millimeter further away from the outstretched hands of Christ than you are. No chance about it. They, too, have the ability to know that Christ says that my desire is that some should be saved, Know that all should be saved, right? That all were made in the image of God, and that God died for the world, for everyone within it encompassed in there. And so, those persons, those people, are no no different than we are—wretched, filthy rags. James two says, "If you're guilty of one instance of breaking the law, the commands, then you're guilty of them all, right?" So, don't think that your pornography, that your uh, lustful thoughts, that your gossip, that your gluttony, that whatever else is any less worse in the eyes of God than what any of those people have right so let's let's not forget this as we talk about that today and so can you agree that we're we're probably in a time that the stakes are pretty high right the stakes in the world right now are pretty high we probably need more faith than we have ever needed before right can we agree with that we probably need an outcry for God's protection more so than we ever have in our lives right right we need it. I mean, go down to homosexual marriage and all these sorts of things. Let's not just talk about this past week. But we, we are at a point where, man, the stakes are really, really high. And, and we need an outcry for God's protection. So turn to Psalms 57, and we'll read it. Did he read it in service today? He did. Okay. Well, I'm going to read it again. It's better than what you hear from me anyway. Psalm 57. Be merciful to me, O oh God. Be merciful to me. Now, hold on, before I start. David, at this point, I don't know what he broke down, but he is doing what? Fleeing from Saul. Fleeing from Saul's anointed king, Saul, who is God's anointed king, right? He's fleeing from him. Saul is trying to kill him, yet David is also anointed by God to be the king, right? Right? Have you ever been in a position where you feel that you're better than the leader that's over you? This is the epitome of that, yet his boss is trying to kill him, okay? So your boss or whoever it is that you feel you're better than is trying to kill you, and you're in a cave. Again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. God laid on my heart, you know, that I need to sit back and just pause sometimes for him to work through in our lives because by world standards, David should just go ahead and off Saul, Right? Saul's trying to kill him. He's already got followers, David does, and he's anointed by God. Yet David says, man, I ain't doing nothing until God removes his anointed. Okay? And so this is the position he is. He's running and fleeing for his life. And he says, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongue are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let me pray. Father, you're good to us. And I thank you that you have placed a high calling on us, Lord, to have faith and trust in you. Lord, I thank you that you are our only hope. God, we pray now for more faith than we've ever had. We pray now for your protection, God, that only you can provide. Because when we see things that are going on uh, around the world like we have seen this week and in recent months and weeks, Lord... Uh, we know that you are our only source of strength and power, God, and hope. And so I pray that you would be with us in that. God, use uh, this word to encourage us, to spark a fire in us, to live passionately and zealously for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so there are a couple things that I see in this passage. First, I love it. I'm in Psalms right now, so maybe that's why I like it a little bit more. Um, I'm diving deeper into it um, and, and just going as slow as I can. But as I look at this, I think about one thing. First thing is, uh, I think about four things. But the first thing is, the stronger the enemy, the more, th- our, more our faith is dependent on who? Okay, So the stronger the enemy, the more dependence I need on who? God. Right? So David here is like, man, he's at his wit's end. He's hiding in caves, corners, dark, you know, doing whatever else. Yet, who is his dependence upon? Not his leaders that he's led up and multiplied. These guys are, dude, dude they're good right? Let's not forget, like David killed bears and lions and Goliath. He's led his men to do the same types of deals. Easily, David could have just said, I take care of this guy, right? Get this problem off my back. Let's roll. But he didn't depend on them. He depended on who? God. He depended on him over and over again. And I don't know about you, but to me, things like this this week uh, when things seem hopeless, when things seem impossible, when stuff is happening that's unconventional, I don't get worried. I actually feel at ease. And I feel at ease because I, I'm going to jack stuff up. I don't know about you, but I have continually and consistently for 35 years of my life jacked stuff up. So when I rely upon me, what do you think is going to happen ultimately? going to get jacked up somehow. But when I look at it and go, there is no other way that anything is going to happen unless if God pours an outpour of his spirit and his peace on us, that's the only way it's going to get fixed. I, I kind of feel comfort in that. That's a little bit of a different way to look at it, but I'm sorry to say it's the biblical way to look at it. So when we don't do that, then we're not. Because here's the deal. If, if man, I'm like, God, just I pray that you'll be with our finances. I pray that you'll be with me. Help me love my wife. I pray that you'll help me do this. I'm sorry. Those prayer requests are things that I can control myself. Ultimately, can I control my finances? I mean, I don't know. I've had a lot of people come to council about finances and stuff like that, and nearly every single one of them could take care of it if they just got after, after it themselves. Well, we just we can't save money. I mean, we pay like $190 for cable and, um, and Internet, and we've both got smartphones and extra packages, and I've got the maximum data, and uh, we eat out five nights a week. Well, you don't have a financial problem. You have a discipline problem. You know, I mean, you really don't. That's something that I could probably take care of myself. Right. And so if that's my prayer request, I am praying to a really small God, because if he could take it care of by me just fixing some discipline issues in my life, then I, I don't like my prayers are like, hey, God, change the world, drive, drive the world towards you, save souls, bring people, let them live on fire for you. That, that's that's my protection. Save us from this mess that's going on here in Dallas and Minnesota and Louisiana and Missouri and all over the place. That's that's the God I pray to. He's not fixing some like cable and data on your phone issues. He, he's got like some bigger things that he can take care of, right? Lost people all over the world. And so this is not just our enemies of Satan or Saul that we see here, but have you ever gotten in the way of yourself? Anybody just kind of ever got in the way of themselves? Yeah? Am I the only one? I, I can tend to get in the way of myself sometimes, right? I can tend to want to do things my way, want to control things my way, want to continue to fall into the same things that I fall into, want to fall into this and that and the other. I get in my own way probably nine times out of ten, right? It's not that I've got like Satan sending fiery darts at me. It's that, Chris, just get out of your way <laughs> is the end all be all. Uh, let's throw an example. Um Time management, is that an easy thing for us in the stage of life that we're in? Terrible, right? Most people we know would say that right now time management is hard for people like us in our stage of life with kids and jobs and careers and school and all these sorts of things. Do you know that the average TV consumer consumes 4.5 hours of TV a day, yet your time management is, is hard, pressed, it's tough? Facebook, Instagram, what do you think the Amount of time the average, the average, Facebook and Instagram user spend. They're together, so these stats are together. But the average user. Three, three, hey, y'all are a high eight. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go work today. Just sit on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so the average, yeah, the average, the average user is spending 50 minutes a day on those. Now that's not including Twitter, Snapchat, internet, or any other, anything else, but just. Facebook and Instagram, the average user is spending 50 minutes. Now, that person is (laughs) skewed up here, right? Well, it is because a guy like me that, like, I've got pretty scheduled times that I'm on it, like, and I'm just not on it that much, but when I'm on it, I'm on it, and then I'm off. I'm done. And and so that person, though, is way up here. That's why the average comes back down to 50. Uh, Again, we've talked about this exercise. You can look at the battery usage on your phone. When somebody comes to me, like, man, I just don't have time. I just am struggling to read the word and everything else. What's the first thing I ask them? No, I ain't worried What's the first thing I ask? (laughs) What's the first thing I ask? Well, usually you say we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And then I say, can I see your phone? Can I see your phone? And they're like, well, yeah, why? I pull it up. I go to the settings. I go to battery. And you go to the battery, and there's a little clock right there, and you can convert it to clock. And it tells you how much time you spent on your phone in the last 24 hours and also in the last seven days. And I turn it around, and I say, you don't have a time problem. You have a discipline problem. Look at all these apps that you were on. What's up? But, man, the other day I was, you know, because here's what I get, right? I don't have time to read. Well, I sit, when I am at, you know, I'm in sales and I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I just look on Facebook then. Okay, read the word. Read an article. Read something else. Don't tell me you got a time problem when that's what you're investing your time into, right? Sometimes I am my own worst enemy right? And so uh, even as we look at this, and we have this kind of outcry of wanting to uh, have God take all of this stuff, and we're in this cave. Sometimes the cave is the cave that we've dug on ourselves. right? And so sometimes this protection, I need God to protect me from me. I can't kick pornography. I can't kick uh, gossip. I can't kick slander. I can't kick gluttony. I can't kick, you name it, anger, whatever it is. That's my own cave that I've put myself into. So don't just think cops and uh, non-people and Black Lives Matters and White Lives Matters and all this other kind of stuff. Sometimes we need an outcry of God's protection from ourself. We just need to say, God, keep me from this. Rid me from this. And so this is what David is. And so this is what I think of that I just need to go, okay, God, protect me from myself. Because you are the most high. You are above all else. I must have an outcry for more faith, and I must have an outcry for God's protection, not only for our world, for our country, for all these things, but sometimes protection just upon myself, right? Second thing I see is that God cannot and will not forsake those who trust in him with all of their heart. David is a man after God's own heart who slept with a woman who was married and then had that guy murdered. Come again? here's what differentiates David. It's funny. This was in my just, I just love how God works. This is my regular quiet time this morning. I got to Psalm uh, 54, uh, but Psalm 51 was part of it as well. And you know what Psalm 51 is? Create in me a clean heart, O God. This is when David is on his face, repenting for what he had done with Bathsheba and her husband. And so the difference is sometimes we need to repent and get after it because that shows that we have an all out heart for God, Right? Although David was a sinner, although you and I are sinners, we've got to show that we have an all-out heart for the Lord by repenting of the things that we cannot kick from our lives, by removing those things, and then just by clinging to the fact that he says he will send forth from heaven and save you. He will put to shame who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. Cling to that. Live by that. Be models of resting in the fact that God will not forsake those who trust in him with all their heart. This is a promise. It's something to cleave to. It's something to walk with. It's something to embrace as you're going through the battles in your life. Because here's the deal. Libby and I, maybe we are at wit's end in our marriage. But when I know that God's promise is that he will not forsake me, and his promise is that he hates divorce, I can cling to that and know that, you know what? We can make it. Because no matter what God gives me, he's not going to forsake us. He's not going to forsake us, our marriage, our walk with him, because God hates this aspect. He desires for me to be sacrificial for her and for her to be my helpmate. And no matter what we go through, it's all right. We're going to make it. Right? And so we've got to clean that. Now, this verse doesn't allude... Uh, to not having discipline to those who are fully walking with him. To, we know that Christ does not hold lightly to those not walking in obedience, right? God is a God of wrath and mercy, grace, wrath, and mercy, right? God's not just, just like little tree hugger that's like, oh, it's okay, you know. Like, read the Bible. You see him destroying entire just, just towns and thousands of people. God is a God of wrath. So when we say this, all your heart, it doesn't mean like, hey, man, let's just I do whatever I want to. Yeah, man, I love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I'm going to go over here and keep doing whatever it is I'm doing. that's simple, and I know God's gonna be okay with. Okay, so if, um, if I said, Libby, I love you more than life itself. You are everything to me. If I said that today, and I spent, I don't know, like an hour with her today, and then I didn't talk to her again until next Sunday, would you be like, man, that guy. He loves her with all his heart. I mean, he just—he just exudes love for that woman, right? Anybody? Probably not. But yet, we expect that to be our walk with the Lord. Hey, God, I'll go to church today. I'll check a box. Maybe I don't even do that. Maybe I'll just pray fifteen minutes, read a little bit of the Word, and I'll take four or five days off, right? What if I did that? Or what if I did that with Paxton or Trip or Rhett? Hey, man, I'll see you on Monday. Check back with me next Monday. Maybe Friday if you're lucky. Like that doesn't even make sense, but that's what we do in our walk with the Lord. That's not a heart that is all in for the Lord. You've got to ask yourself this. No matter how far you've prayed, no matter how far you've gone astray, can you, will you, how will you get back to loving the Lord with all your heart? Okay, love God with all your heart because he cannot and will not forsake those who trust in him with all their heart. When you understand, this is the third thing, that God is most high, you fear nothing, right? He says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. You see, when your faith increases and you're dependent upon him as we have discussed, you fear nothing, nothing at all. Job change, who cares? God's plan. Rough patch in a marriage, who cares? God's plan, he doesn't like divorce, he's put us together for such a time as this, it's all right. God's got a plan. He's there. God Most High. He's promised this. I'm there. Sin struggle. I can't kick it. It's all right. I know God wants me to, so I'm going to try even harder because I'm in with all my heart. Tragedy sti- strikes. It hurts. It's no fun. But guess what? God's given a promise, right? Who played sports in high school? What'd you play, Joshua? Basketball. Okay. What position did you play? Uh, small four, powerful. Small four, powerful point guard comes down the court, right, he's holding up two, whatever it is, three, he's y'all a sign you know, whatever else, now, you're probably not just like, all right, I'm going to run around, okay, get over here, give me the ball, you know, get over here, there's plans in basketball, right, for those that don't watch basketball, there's plans, and the, uh, the coach barks out the orders, the point guard barks out the orders, it's like in soccer, it's like in football, it's like anything else, there's actual plays that they run, right, it's not just, hey, get open and shoot, now, pick up ball, a lot like that, high school basketball, a little bit different, you run plays, now, you're a small forward, you're whatever else, point guard barks out the call, or maybe coach barks out the call, you got some confidence, don't you? I know what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to do, and how I'm supposed to do it. Why? The play's been called. Well, we have the play being called by the Lord. He's told us what to do. He's told us what to expect. He's told us what to embrace. He's told us the challenges that are going to come. And so when we face those, what do we cling to? Okay. No worries. God's got a plan. I'm going to get through this. All I've got to do is keep walking with him, right? Lost my job. It's okay. Take a job. Don't like it. But if I prayed about that job, God laid it on my heart for that job. And I said, yes, that job, because God commanded me to say yes to no matter the challenges in that job, I look and I say, it's okay. God has me here right now. That job is a little more easy to withstand, right? And so when you know that God is most high, there is a lot less that you fear. It's it's a lot less that you fear. You know that he will bring you through it. Uh, let me remind you of this by a tragedy that happened this week. Michael Ellis, uh, some know. I know uh, Jennifer Newt from my school ministry. So uh, Heather and Sean, uh, Libby used to coach the daughter and she be leading. And they're Bellevue member of family, Bellevue family, Bellevue Arlington. Uh, kid gives life to the Lord a year ago. So what I'm about to describe, don't worry, he's sitting face-to-face with Jesus. But you heard it on the news, kid's in a Polaris. Uh, flips over. a Polaris gets on his neck. Snaps his, his neck. Cracks his skull. Kills it. July 4th. Happy 4th of July, mom and dad. Right? Tough. Very, very tough. 14-year-old kid. But a year ago, due to a friend inviting him to church, he came and gave his life to the Lord. Was baptized July 5th, I think it was, last year. And, uh, or summer, 15th, 30th, somewhere. Anyways, he was baptized. to face to the Lord. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. That happened to me probably... Just transparency here, we talked about being honest earlier, I'm going to have a little bit of bitterness in my heart. I love my boys, and I I would probably first be like, "Why, God, why would you do that? And so this kid comes to their house the other night, they've had friends over there doing all this. This kid has never met Heather and Sean, Uh, just kind of played with Michael, all these sorts of things, kind of gone through, and this kid wants to come and pay his respects to uh, Heather and Sean, who are the mom and dad of the kid that passed away. Uh, and so the dad comes out, and he's talking to them. They're reminiscing a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And so then uh, the dad proceeds to say, man, uh, it's okay. What do you mean it's okay? Like your son just died. He's 14. His whole life happened. He died too early. By the way, I hate that saying. Who am I to say he died too early? He died right when God thought he would. None of that None of that took God by surprise. God was like, oh, geez, what am I going to do now? You know, and so he, he dies, and so he's sitting there. He's like, it's okay. He's face to face with Jesus right now. Do you know who Jesus Christ is? Shares gospel with a kid. Kid gives his life to the Lord. If not for anything else, Michael Ellis died so that that kid could give his life to the Lord. If not for anything else. And, and, and see, here's the deal. <laughs> when we embrace that, when we know that no matter what happens, what may come, that God has a plan, right? That my son may pass away, that God has a plan for it, right? Abraham's walking Isaac up. I I don't know. I don't know what the deal is here. I'm going to murder my son. You know, I don't know, but I know that God has a plan. I walk a little bit more confidently, right? You know the plan in basketball. You run down the court a little bit confidently because you know where you're going. You're going to the block. You're going to move over. You're going to set the pick. You're going to do whatever else. We walk confidently when we know God's plan for us. David was walking confidently. Although he was in despair, he was walking confidently, crying out to God and saying, Hey, I know this is okay. You fulfill your purpose for me. You're going to send from heaven and save me. You'll put to shame those who trample on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. It's okay because God has a plan. Uh, the scriptures in Philippians 4 say, remind us not to be anxious about Okay, so, but what about um, job? Mm, but what about my marriage? Uh, but what about my children? <clears throat> but what about their salvation? It's okay, like salvation. Like I'm worried about their salvation because... You know, I they, they, you know, want them to love the Lord, but should I even be worried about their salvation? No, because God says, do not be anxious about anything. You can't replace that with anything. You can't put anything in there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer. everything, through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Because then the peace that surpasses all understanding will do what? Guard your hearts, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? And so when we walk through this, when we have this in our city, when we have this in our country, in Texas, in Minnesota, or anything else, and we need faith more than ever, and we're out crying for God more than ever, nothing should strike us that we can't handle. God this week didn't go, oh, man, what am I going to do? Oh, my goodness. I cannot believe that happened. Those cops, oh, okay, here's the deal. Right? We take away scripture, we take away all of these other things from the Constitution and from our schools. We, as believers, do not share the gospel, we do not go to church, we do not read the Bible, we do not pray, yet we think that God should just protect our country. But God is not taken, he's not thwarted off his throne. I mean, he didn't go like, okay, well, Steve's over the SBC now, so maybe I can get him to do some stuff. You know, I mean, like, he's not fretting. He knows the way that we will get out of this and we'll talk about that here in a little bit in a minute. But then the other thing that I see is that in the midst of insanity in the world that we live in, we sit in the wings of Christ in the shadows of the cross. Okay? So he says right here, be merciful to me, oh God, be merciful to me for in you my soul takes what? refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take what? You think refuge. What does that mean? Think of, like, refugees from Syria that are fleeing. They need safety. They need all this kind of stuff. Ref- like, we take safety in the wings of Christ, in the shadows of the cross is where we find safety. <laughs> now, when I think of wings, I think about a bird's nest, right? I think about this little nest. I think of the mama. Like, I'm not a very compassionate guy, so this is the best I could do, guys. So I think of, like, a, a hen or something sitting over these eggs or these little, you know, chicklets or whatever it is, just just yeah, not the gum, but whatever. <laughs> so I think of them just protecting Those baby birds, those baby chickens, whatever it may be, right? That's resting in the wings of comfort and safety. And so that's kind of the way we should feel. That's the picture we should have for the way we sit with Christ. Under his wings, under his protection, under his guidance is the way I should live my life. And, And if I live it in any fear outside of that, I don't think God's good enough to protect me. Be careful there. Rest in that nothing happened this week that took anything by surprise. He's not sitting there freaking out or anything else. For in you, my soul, take refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I take refuge. We need an outcry for more faith and an outcry for God's protection like none other. And then last but not least, the welfare of our universe, of our country, and of our city. Depends on who? Christ. It depends on God. But, now let me stop you here. Don't stop there. It doesn't just depend on God. It does just depend on God. But it also depends on the methods that he chose for change to take place. Right? Which is the Great Commission. It's not just God, and I sit back and go, all right, man, Libby, pass the cheeses. I'm going to sit back and wait for God to take care of this. No, no, no. His method was for you and I to get off of our rear ends, to share the gospel, to make disciples, to hold other people accountable, and to do what he sent his son to do. Right? I mean, that's what he sent Christ to do. Christ came, the 33 years on the earth, spent three years investing into men so that they would then what? Invest in the men. Who would then what? Invest in the men. Like, don't you think that, like... If, the, if it was a little bit different, Jesus just could have gone, boom, next couple thousand years, taken care of, sit back, chill, enjoy the ride. Easily. He easily could have done that. But yet, he chose to send a guy to invest in 12 men so that those 12 will continue to invest in disciple, make disciples, read the scriptures, pray together, hold each other accountable, and all these sorts of things. Now, when I say hold each other accountable, I don't mean Wayne is, is just living in sin somewhere, so what I'm going to do is I'm gonna kind of subtweet out. Like, you know, I know that Wayne has got this uh, problem with drinking alcohol, like he's drunk every night. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna tweet a bunch of stuff about drinking alcohol and pray that Wayne reads it. And that's my way of holding him accountable. Subtweeting somebody, you know, that's going through something is not the way to hold everybody accountable. Going up to Wayne and saying, hey man, get rid of it. That doesn't fit anywhere in the plan that God has for you in your life. Wayne doesn't have a drinking problem. I just Sorry. That's holding him accountable, right? We've got to get away from this. I may offend them. I may do everything else. The gospel is offensive. It tells you that if you don't believe in it, you're going to hell. It's offensive. And so we've got to stand on the Word of God. We've got to embrace the Word of God. We've got to hold people accountable to the Word of God. We have got to get after it with making disciples. We've got to get after it with investing in the lives of others. Our world and our country depends on the one and only God of the universe who can save it. But remember, his plan is through you and I. It starts in you and me. We've got it somewhere. You've walked by it probably five times this morning. We have it. It's our vision statement, right? Bellevue's vision from God is to be a spiritual waking in Memphis and beyond and you know the way that it happens, it starts in me. Olivia, I like to say it's about me, but I, that was taken. Drew Drew says it all the time. I'm like, that's bad, Drew, but I like it. Um, but it starts in me. That means that I have got to be the one that goes and shares the gospel of people. I have got to be the one reading the word of God, holding other people accountable to the word of God, serving the church, serving my wife serving other people, showing love, showing love to African-Americans, to Caucasians, to Hispanics, to Latinos, to Indians, to Pakistans, to everybody, because I fully believe in Genesis 127, all were created in the image of God, all have souls, all are there to be either resting in heaven or in hell. And if I don't do anything about it, then I don't care that they may be rotting in hell for eternity. And so when we do all of this and we get after it, we've just got to say, I've got to get after it. I've got to do this. It starts in me more so than anyone else. Read the word daily. Pray. Pray with your spouse. Get involved in disciple making. Serve the local church. Find a place to serve. Rest in him and remember that everyone was made in the image of God, white, black, Hispanic, or everything else. Right? And by the way, I I didn't mention this earlier. I, I heard a great pastor one time talk about this. He said, you know, he said, racism exists. You know, by the very fact, and this is in multiple levels. And he said, here's the easiest way to tell that racism exists. Wayne and I are talking, we're like, oh, hey, man, Wayne, you know what's going on? Hey, man, the other day I was talking to this Asian guy, and, um, you know, we were talking, and he was talking about this. Just the fact that I had to clarify that I was talking to an Asian guy, which is not relevant on any situation that I'm ever talking about, means that there's some form of racism that exists everywhere, because I'm clarifying that for whatever reason, Right? Oh, yeah, man, I was talking to this dude, great guy, African-American, you know, blah, blah, blah. What? Who cares? Like, I was talking to a guy made in the image of God. Bottom line. No stands, or buts, right? So, last but not least, um, a little while ago, there was someone that got a ticket that um, was really mad that they got a ticket. And I don't ever really understand that. And I've been in the, I've been this person, right? So, you know, man, I was, so a 57 and a 50, they shouldn't give me a ticket. You know what? You were breaking the law. Like, what do you mean? Why are you mad? I mean, like, get over yourself. Are you just above the law? You know, like, if you were going 51, you could have gotten a ticket, right? Anyways, this person was really mad and and fired up and and said, man, I know and I understand I was breaking the law, but I'm going to have to go down to 201 Poplar and risk my life rape." murder, and everything else. (laughs) Oh my, I mean, like, I don't hang out at 201 Poplar all the time, but last time I checked, there's not a lot of people getting murdered at 201 Poplar. (laughs) Not a lot of people getting raped at 201 Poplar. Number one, it made me fired up because, like, I know cops that work down there, and you're just basically saying they're terrible at their job. Like, oh yeah, they can't save me, I'm going to go down there and pay my ticket and get murdered. (laughs) For speeding, I did it. And I'm mad about it, right? And so it, it kind of went on and on. These other people were agreeing. You know, I'm like, what are we doing? How do y'all even, what, I don't understand what's going on right now. And, and so I just kind of stopped and paused and collected my thoughts and talked to my filter, which is Libby. She's like, hey, you can't say it like that. And I'm like, oh, please, Lord, let me. And, and we're going through. And, um, and and so we're walking through, and, and I kind of just laid it out like this. And I said, hey, here's the deal. If not for the outstretched hands of Christ, you could be one of those people that are down there into a one poplar that maybe didn't have a friend or a family member or a mother and a father who loved Jesus Christ and shared the gospel with you. Maybe they didn't grow up in a home with mommy and daddy together and going to church all the time and you didn't get to hear the gospel over and over again. Maybe they didn't grow up with a father in the home at all because we can look at most of the statistics of those people that are into a popper grew up in a single family home. Maybe they didn't have anyone ever share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And if not for the outstretched hands of Christ, you would be sitting in that jail cell Apparently thinking about murdering and raping someone at 201 Poplar. And so, see, that's the way we think. And so, my question to everybody is: When I'm mad, when I'm oh, I'm just fired up about it. I'm going to do all this. I can't believe they would do this. What have you done to be a solution to the problem? I tell packs in them all the time: Don't be the problem. Be the solution. Don't be a problem. Be the solution. And what have you done to be the solution? Who have you shared the gospel with? Who have you reached the outstretched hands of Christ to? Because that's the picture that he shows. Get fired up that we live in a city with a lot of murders. Get fired up that, you know, all these other things are happening. But what have you done to change that? We just can't sit back and expect God to do it without using the method that he gave us to do it, which is sharing the gospel, making disciples, and baptizing, teaching, and remembering that he's with us always, even to the end of age. Okay, let me pray. Father, you're good to us. Lord, I love you and praise you. Uh, I thank you that Genesis 127 rings true. And we joke and we talk about it, Lord, but everybody, uh, everybody that we come across, every single individual, no matter where they're from, God was made in your perfect image. And so, therefore, they are deserving of my uh, respect, love, and appreciation because you would show them love. God, if I'm trying to be like you, then I show them love, Lord. Uh, and so God, use this week to just invite uh, to, and, and just invigorate us, Lord, to go out and make disciples, to be passionate, to share your word. Because here's the deal. At the end of the day, we spend a short time here on uh, this earth, Lord. And so I don't want to get to the end of my race and say I didn't give it all. I didn't do what you wanted me to do. I didn't do what you commanded me to do. Man, I wish I just had more time. I wish I would have shared the gospel with this person. I don't want to get there. This, uh, The poor young boys, uh, if, if Michael Ellis had not given his life to the Lord, I wouldn't be one of those people that would want to say, I didn't even share the gospel with him. I didn't even invite him to church. Lord, so let this change us. Let us know that it starts in us, God, by resting on you, by having more faith and outcrying for your protection over us. God, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All snap. All snap.